Hey, welcome back to Crimes and Closets. This is Beth in my closet in North Carolina. And this is Christy in my closet in St. Louis. And we're back. We missed you so much. Yes, I know. I am so excited to be back and in full swing after this. I mean, yeah. We're going to be every Monday from now on, we promise. But we had such a nice break. It really was, honestly. I mean, I missed seeing you, although we saw each other for an intro here and there. Um, and we chatted and whatever, but it was nice to literally not think about it mm-hmm. <laughs> not look at anything, all of it. So lovely and perfect timing, honestly, because there was just so much going on that it worked out. Yeah. Even our like thing that we record on was having a real hard time. <laughs> and I don't know that we could have done it if we wanted to, honestly, because it was so wonky. So true. So true. So thank you guys for hanging in with us. We really missed you. We're glad to be back on track. We are gearing up for a fun fall. That's what we were doing. Get in our minds right. For yep. you know what. Yep. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, and we had some new Patreons join our Closet Sisters while we were gone. So we want to give shout outs to Tiffany R., Mez, and Melly. Thank you guys Yay! for joining our closet. We're so happy to have you. There's a lot of fun things going on over there. We just had a case drop last Friday. Mm-hmm. That was real interesting and sad. So yeah, if you want to come join the fun over there. There's fun. There's fun over there. <laughs> there is. There is fun. There is fun. <laughs> yeah. So what have you been up to? Well, I guess I can at least mention that currently today, after this recording, well, after we are physically recording, not necessarily when you guys are hearing this, but I am packing. I have two trips to go on. I'm going to California tomorrow and then Hawaii for 10 days. So I'm like basically been in laundry mode and like set out all the chemicals for the pool mode and oh, oh, that's right <laughs> like, literally just like everything that I could possibly think of that I need to do that that's what I've been doing so also not recording and having to um research cases has come at a perfect time in terms of that too yes <laughs> so yeah I just got back from my mom's and we her cat had kittens while we were there Oh my gosh, I don't think I knew yeah. that. Yeah. So, oh, how fun. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It was interesting <laughs> because, you know, so my parents, my mom has um, several like little barns and garages and things because she, there's a lot of animals and like a sheep and a goat and chickens and, you know, property and stuff. And we could not find the kittens because they hide there. Oh, really? Right. They won't have them. Like she, she's an outside cat. And so she just like hangs out on my mom's back porch and front porch and stuff, but she doesn't come in the house and she has a little house that my mom puts her in. And so she didn't have her kittens in the house, so we couldn't find them anywhere. So we're looking everywhere. We're like (laughs) looking in all the buildings and like under the house. How do you even know how many she would have had to be looking for? We didn't know how many she had. We just knew she had kittens because she had a big old belly one day. And then the next day we saw her and she definitely had had kittens. So we were on this hunt for days to try to find the kittens. And finally, my oldest saw her going into this one like garage that had one little pane of the window was kind of like pushed out. 
she mm-hmm. could slide through there. And he saw her come come from there to the back porch to eat. And then he sat out there and watched and saw her walk back. So we were like, she's definitely in there because there's no other reason for her to be going back and forth inside there. So we went in, took flashlights. I didn't turn the lights on. I was trying to be real low key. I was looking everywhere, looked everywhere for like 15 minutes, could not find her or the kittens. So it was so strange. Well, then as soon as I leave, here she comes hopping out that window. I'm like, oh man, that's definitely where they are. So I took a can of her food over there and opened the can of food. And as soon as I opened the can of food, her little head popped out and she was like, I was like, oh, there she is. So we found the kittens. There were four. Oh, oh, yeah. Yay. So, and then she carried them over after they get to be like a couple days old. No, she like carried them over to the, where it close to the house. Okay. Yeah. Okay. But it wasn't until they were like three days old or something like that that she brought them over. So will your mom just like keep all of no. them and just let them know? So she was okay. very upset. <laughs> she was very upset that Sheba had had babies on her on her oh. watch. So no, okay. she'll give them away. Like she'll rescue them or um, we'll home them or whatever. So okay. Yeah. Awesome. So we had well, little fun. baby kittens and we played with her sheep bean. And her goat Pinto and her chickens. I love the goat. I mean, I've never seen I the goat. I love the goat. Might be besides a picture, but it's amazing to me. Like, I don't know. That's what I think of goat. When I when you talk about the animals, I'm like, she just played a goat all the time. It's a cute <laughs> no chickens, nothing goat. else. <laughs> I think the chickens are mean a little bit, but what's his name? What did you say his name? Pinto. Pinto. The goat? Yeah, Pinto. <laughs> like as in the bean or the car? <laughs> the bean, because the sheep's name is Bean. So oh my their gosh. names are Pinto and Bean. <laughs> Pinto, Bean, yes. come on. It's <laughs> cute, right? <laughs> Damn, <Okay>. so cute. <laughs> oh my gosh. All right. Well, that was it. Sounds like you had a good time. It was fun. Yep fun up in the mountains so anyway thank you guys for the break and for hanging in but if you're ready i have a very big case for you today oh man here, just give it to all me. right here we go okay are you ready for this one Sure. Okay. (laughs) This case was recommended by our listener, Stephanie. Stephanie. Oh, I think I know who that is. (laughs) You know who it is. She's a very sweet supporter of us. She actually, her and I were chatting back and forth a little bit, and she's from not far from where I grew up. Oh, cool. Yeah. So, uh, like, she's not from there originally. She just lives there now. I am going to just jump right into this case. It's very big. It's very well-known. May or may not be a murder. Definitely confusing. This is the disappearance of Maura Murray. Oh, I know this one, yeah. I knew you would know this one. Thank goodness you're not going to quit on me now. I had to know it. Otherwise, she's going to (laughs) quit podcasting with me. (laughs) We were joking about this earlier because I told her she would know this one. But I say that sometimes and she doesn't. So, Okay. So I'm going to work a bit backwards in the case. I'm going to start where the mystery begins. 
Maura Murray was a 20-year-old nursing student at the University of Mass... I can't... This is one of my impossible words. Massachusetts. Amherst. Leave me alone. Sorry. <laughs> I need the way you say it. Can't say it. I don't know why. It makes me feel so dumb. <laughs> I literally was walking around my house this morning saying it over and over again. Incorrectly, apparently. Mass. Mass. Leave me alone. sits. She went to UMass. <laughs> Got it. On the cold, snowy evening of February 9th, 2004, Mora took a secret trip to the White Mountains in New Hampshire, Vermont area. She was involved in a car wreck and then she disappeared. Never to be seen again. Her case has been speculated about to exhaustion, but still, 18 years later, there are no answers. No one knows what happened to Mora that night. So... Who is Maura Murray? Maura was born May 4th, 1982 in Hanson, Mass. Mm-hmm. <laughs> she was the fourth child of five to parents Fred and Laura Murray. She had an older brother, two older sisters, then her, then younger brother. She was very close with her family. They were Irish Catholic and they were a very athletic family, very active involved in lots of sports, outdoor things. When she was six, her parents divorced and Maura primarily lived with her mom, but she remained very close with her dad, Fred. He would coach her basketball teams. He was involved with her track teams as well. He often took her on vacations to the White Mountains for hiking and camping. That was one of their favorite places to go. They so went. She was familiar with the area. Very familiar. They went almost every every summer. Mora was a star athlete in high school, and she did very well academically. So when she graduated in 2000, she had several track scholarships to choose from. Hmm. Fun fact, I also graduated in the year 2000. I was supposed to graduate college in the year 2000. I graduated high school in 2000. <laughs> the millennia right here. Mm-hmm. Mora chose to follow in one of her older sister's footsteps and went to the U.S. Military Academy in West Point, New York. Very prestigious school. Hard to get into. Mm-hmm. It's impressive. She majored. My in- cousin's going to teach there. Really? Mm-hmm. Hmm. That's very cool. Mm-hmm. She majored in chemical engineering and she ran track for them. She went on a track scholarship, remember? In 2001, Maura met a boy named Bill Rausch, and they began dating. Bill was a few years older than Maura. He was also a student at West Point, and the two of them were very in love. After three semesters at West Point, Maura does something very odd. She was caught stealing from Fort Knox. What? Yeah, Fort Knox, as in the most secure facility in the United States. Like, that's a saying. It was locked right, down I like know. Fort Knox. <laughs> exactly. They use that. <laughs> right. According to her friend who was with her, she stole a tube of lipstick and a bottle of nail polish hmm. from the department okay. store in Fort Knox. And she said she had no idea why she did that. Hmm. Very out of character for her. And could be written off as just something stupid and immature, like random youthful rebellion, whatever. But it's Fort Knox and it was taken Mm -hmm. very seriously, but instead of pressing charges, she was just asked to leave West Point. 
So she transferred to UMass Amherst and started a nursing program there. So she switched her majors, went to a different school. Mora and Bill still continued their relationship, even though they were at separate colleges. During that time, Mora's sister was still at West Point with Bill, and she heard that Bill had had an indiscretion with another member of the track team, like he had cheated mm-hmm. on Mora. So Mora's sister obviously told her and that she thought Bill had cheated on her, but the two of them did stay together and tried to work it out. They were in love. Okay. Eventually, Bill graduated and he joined the service and was stationed in Oklahoma. So they continued their relationship long distance. She's at UMass. He's in Oklahoma, but they're still together. So Moore is 21 years old. She's on the dean list. She's in the nursing program at UMass and she worked two part-time jobs. One was doing her nursing clinicals and the other was campus security. So she would like check IDs for people that were coming onto the campus and things like that. She lived by herself in the dorms. She was very happy. She was well-liked. She had a lot of friends. She's described as very adventurous, soft-spoken. Everyone loved her. She was very dedicated, driven. You know, she did all these Mm -hmm. amazing things. Mora had a very beaten down Saturn that she used to get back and forth to clinicals. And it was always a joke about whether she would like make it or not, because Mm -hmm. it was just like this crappy car. Mm -hmm. She went to parties. She had what appeared to be a great long distance relationship with Bill, and she wasn't far from graduation. Her and Bill were planning to get engaged, and she had considered moving down to Oklahoma to be with him that summer. Oh, okay. So they're talking about moving things to the next level. Then in November of 2003, Mora did something else out of character. She was caught using a stolen credit card to order food. Apparently, she get it? I don't know. Oh. Uh, it's never okay. said whose credit card it is. She just stole it. Apparently, okay. she had used it several times. And so the card was flagged as being stolen. And so she ordered a pizza and had it delivered to her dorm. But a police officer delivered it. Oh, so that's when, not a very good idea. Yeah. <laughs> so when she signed for it, she was arrested. She ended up getting let off with just three months of probation. So they were basically like, look, you're a good kid. You seem to be like trying to do things and follow a good path. Keep your nose clean for three months and we'll let it go. Just Mm -hmm. like the Fort Knox incident, Mora had no real explanation for why she did this. But three months later, Mora would go missing. Oh, man. So this brings us to February of 2004 and the days leading up to Mora's disappearance. Okay. On February 5th, Mora was working the late shift at her campus security job. At around 1 a.m., Mora got a phone call from her sister. Mora's oldest sister had some problems with drug and drugs and alcohol, and she had just gotten out of a rehab facility for her addiction. Her sister's fiance was apparently a pretty toxic guy, and he was doing some disrespectful things like he would buy liquor and have it in the house or take her to places where there was alcohol and she ultimately relapsed. And Mm. Mora was just finding out all of this information and she became very upset. Her boss found her sitting at her station, like staring into space. Mm. 
He describes her as catatonic. She wasn't talking. She was just like sitting, staring like in a daze. And then he asked her if she was okay. She started crying and he's like, what's wrong? What happened? What's going on? And all she could say was my sister. So she was so in such a state that her boss ultimately had to walk her back to her dorm early. So like he oh, couldn't even my. be like, go home. He Like they had to take right. her there. So Saturday, February 7th. So this is a couple days later. Maura's father, Fred, drove to Amherst to her college. He lives back mm-hmm. in where she grew up. He was going to help her buy a new car because hers was getting to be undrivable. It was like a big joke and she needed it to travel back and forth to clinicals. So they went car shopping and they found one that they thought would work. And Fred planned to come back the following weekend with the money to buy it. So he then took Mora to a dinner at a pub with one of her friends. And then he and Mora drove back to his hotel. Mora was supposed to go to a party back on campus with her friends. And so Fred let her drive his car back to the dorms. Mm. So we know that Mora attended the party and she left about 2.30 in the morning. She decided instead of staying at her dorm that she would go and stay with her dad in his hotel. But as she was driving there, she veered off the road and hit a guardrail in his car. Okay. Do we And we know that she decided to go stay with her dad because she let somebody know that or based on like where she was heading. I mean, she was headed back to the hotel from her okay. ca- from her campus. So. Okay. so she wasn't hurt in this accident and the car was drivable, but it did cause about $9,000 in damages. <clears throat> okay. A police report was made, but it was noted that Mara was not intoxicated, nothing like that, just an accident. Sorry, I'm taking a drink. (laughs) Maura was very upset and she went on to the hotel and she told her dad what had happened. She also called Bill around five o'clock that morning, super upset. She told him what had happened as well. The next afternoon, her dad dropped his car at a shop and rented another car and then took Maura back to her dorm and dropped her off before heading back home. So he told her, Insurance will take care of it. Don't worry. I'll be back the following weekend. I'm going to pick my car up. We're going to buy you a new one. It's okay, Maura. It's all right. Mm -hmm. But she was super upset. She was super upset with herself. She felt bad because she had like disappointed her dad. He doesn't have a car now. And I also think that she might have been worried because remember, she was still Mm -hmm. on that probation from using the stolen credit card. So maybe she thought that this would like violate her probation or something that she got in this accident and she would actually get in trouble. I don't think it would have. I mean, accidents happen. It's not like illegal to get in a car Mm -hmm. wreck, but perhaps this was upsetting to her. That night around 1130 after her dad got home. Yeah, right. I could see that. Right. So around 1130, he called her and he reassured her again. Everything's going to be okay. He did ask her to go by the motor vehicle office to get accidents, the accident reports so that he could file them with his insurance. And she said she would do that. Okay, so that now brings us to Monday, February 9th, 2004. This is the day that Mora went missing. Okay. Okay. So stick with me. Here is what we know. During the early morning hours, like the middle of the night, 
Morris searched on her computer directions to places in the White Mountains. So that they're located in Vermont and New Hampshire. So she was kind of looking at some places Mm -hmm. in New Hampshire, some places in Vermont. And remember, the White Mountains are where her father would take them all the time to hike and camp. Very familiar with them. She did a homework assignment and she turned it in. And then she was just on her computer all night until like almost four o'clock in the morning. And then that activity stops. Okay. Starts back at about one in the afternoon. Maury emailed her boyfriend, Bill. So Bill had called her that morning, but he got her voicemail. Remember, she called him real early in the morning the day before. I wrecked my dad's car. I'm so upset, whatever. So he called her like, hey, just checking on you. want to make sure you're okay. She didn't answer. So she was emailing him back in response to his voicemail. She said she got his message. She didn't really feel like talking, that she'd call him later that day, and that she loved him. She then called a condo rental in Bartlett, New Hampshire, which is in the White Mountains. And it was actually a condo that she and her family had stayed in the summer before. So she knew it. Okay. She didn't rent a condo. She just called and, like, asked some questions about it. She called a fellow nursing student, Mm. and she said that she had to go away for a few days, something about her sister, and that she was going to bring some clothes back to her that she had borrowed. So the nursing student's like, it's okay. Don't worry about it. You know, you can catch me when you get back. And Maura was like, no, no, no. I'm going to bring them to you. She then emailed her nursing professors and lied and told them that there had been a death in her family and that she would be gone for about a week, but that she would call them when she got back. So she's going somewhere. Okay. She then called mm. a booking service in Stowe, Vermont. It was actually 1-800-GO-STOW, <laughs> which is also in the White Mountains. And it was it's just a recording that goes over all the different rental options in that town. Again, mm. so she didn't book anything. She didn't talk to anybody, but she called that number. She then called Bill. She got his voicemail. And she left him a message that she would just talk to him later. She never mentioned that she might be leaving town, nothing like that. Just, hey, touch and base, love ya. I guess I'll talk to you later. She then went to her friends and she left the clothes that she borrowed outside her door. She packed her car, the very rundown black Saturn. Saturn. Mm -hmm. She packed some clothes, enough for a few days, toiletries, which were mostly travel size. She packed her school textbooks her medicine, and she left the UMass campus. She picked up the accident forms for her dad. And at 4.30, she stopped by an ATM and withdrew $280, which is pretty much all of the money that she had in her bank account. Okay. She's seen on the ATM camera. She is alone. She is then seen on CCTV footage at a nearby liquor store, again alone. She buys a bottle of Bailey's, a bottle of Kahlua, a bottle of vodka, and a box of wine. She making a what are those white Russian? Russian. Yeah. (laughs) So she's gonna she's gonna be having some drinks. She's gonna be going away. She then leaves Amherst, presumably around like four thirty five ish, and she drove north towards the White Mountains. At four thirty seven, she checked her voicemail. 
And after that, her phone was never used again. Hmm. Sometime after 7.20 p.m., a woman on Route 112 in Haverhill, New Hampshire. It's it's spelled Haverhill, but in every Mm -hmm. documentary that I watched, they say Haverhill. Oh, so So a woman in Haverhill on Route 112 heard a loud thump from outside her house. She looked out her window. She saw a black car up against a snowbank. The car was on the wrong side of the road and it was pointed towards traffic. So it was on the other side of the road and had spun around. She saw some activity near the trunk of the car, like someone was getting something out of the back or something like that. So she knew somebody was there. And she Mm -hmm. assumed that this person had broken down or had been in an accident. So she called 911. That call came in at 727 p.m. Police were dispatched to the area. Spoiler alert, this is Mora. Mm -hmm. While waiting for the police, another resident who also lived on Route 112, his name is Butch, came by. He drove by. He was in a bus because he would take tourists to the nearby ski resort, like bus them Mm -hmm. to up the mountain to the ski resort. And he was on his way home and he saw Mora in this car. And so he stopped and asked if she was okay. He said, do you need any help? I'm Butch the bus driver. I just live right here. You know, do you want Mm -hmm. want to come to my house and we'll call the police? There's no cell service here. Like, I can help you. Are you okay? She said, no, do not call the police. Mm. I am fine. I already called triple A. Don't call the cops. I'm good. Okay. So, and the lady, the first lady that called 911 was watching all of this, by the way. Out her window. Oh, so she saw the bus driver yeah. talking to her. Right. Yeah, it was a bus. Mm-hmm. Hard to miss. Right. Yeah. Well, she knows Butch. Mm-hmm. So Butch. Everyone knows Butch. Everybody knows Butch. Butch did not press her about this. Like he was like, okay, I mean, you know, I'm, I'm happy to help you out if you're sure. But he knew that they were in a dead zone for cell signal. So he knew there was no way that she could have called triple A or anyone for mm-hmm. that matter. So when he got home, he also called 911. Mm. So that call came in at 7.43 p.m. So six minutes after the first one. Right. Okay. The dispatcher told him that help was already on the way. They had already gotten a call. Butch tells the 911 operator that he saw a young girl. He said that she didn't appear to be injured. She didn't appear to be bleeding. She was shaken up. She seemed very nervous and she was cold and shivering. It was a very cold, snowy night. And he also told the dispatcher that the car appeared to be pretty damaged, like he didn't think Mm -hmm. it was drivable. So at 7.46 p.m., a police officer arrives on the scene. So this is three minutes after Butch's call. No one was there. Hmm. The car was there. And it had hit a tree. There was severe damage to the front driver's side of the car. And the windshield on the driver's side was busted. Both airbags had deployed. And the car was completely not drivable. Like no way she could have gotten back in the car and driven anywhere. It was locked. And so they looked in the window. And they could see a triple A card with Mora's name on it in the passenger seat. And in the back, there was also like a box of wine that appeared to have been damaged in the crash. And there was wine everywhere. Like it was spilling outside the car. The snow was red. They also found a rag 
like a washcloth stuffed into the tailpipe of her car. What? Yeah. Very weird. Mm-hmm. They verified that this car was registered to Mora. Inside the car, they found the accident report report forms, the ones that she had picked up about the accident in her dad's car. They found some clothes, toiletries, makeup, jewelry, her school books. She had a stuffed animal in there. She had driving directions to like printed out MapQuest to Burlington, Vermont. I know. Printed MapQuest directions. (laughs) It always cracks me up when we talk about MapQuest. It's like such a. Like holding it while you're like holding the steering wheel. I got to take a left and a mile. So I have to like look at my odometer to make sure I'm only going a mile. (laughs) It's very unsafe. Yeah. Maybe that's why she wrecked. I don't know. So they also found a book that was about. Um, different stories of people who had climbed White Mountain and it was called Not About Not Without Peril. What was missing was Mara's wallet, her credit cards, her debit card, her cell phone, the bottle of liquors, bottles of liquor that she had purchased were not in the car. The box of wine was, but not the liquor bottles. And well, that's because it was broken, so she couldn't carry that. Well, that's true. And also Mora was missing. She was not there. She wasn't in any of the neighbor's homes. She wasn't anywhere on the scene. There didn't appear to be any evidence of foul play at all. So they assumed that she had just locked her car, gotten the stuff that she wanted and taken off on foot or gotten a ride from somewhere and that she would turn up. Right. I mean, that makes total sense. Right. (laughs) So they towed the car and called it a night. Thinking, okay, she's going to come get her car. Mm -hmm. The following day, they did not hear from Mora about picking her car up. So they called her dad, Fred. And they told Fred that Mora's car had been involved in an accident and that it had been abandoned in Haverhill, New Hampshire. So he's like, what? (laughs) Like, I just talked to her. She was at school. So a be on the lookout was issued for Mora and she was considered a missing person. And they told Fred that if Mora was not reported safe by the following morning, that they would start a search. Okay. So Fred immediately gets in his car. He drives there. He's like, something's going on. Something's wrong. This is weird. The family followed shortly after Bill and his family also flew out to search while Bill Bill's the boyfriend remember. While Bill was going through security to get on his flight, he got a phone call that he missed. And he went back and he listened to the voicemail. And all it was was a woman breathing and what sounded like whimpering and crying. So no one says anything. And there's no like caller ID. So there is a caller ID and the call was traced back to a prepaid phone card. Oh, yeah. Weird. Bill believes, even to this day, that that was Mora. Well, yeah, but where'd she get the prepaid phone card? Apparently, she was known to have used those every now and then. Okay. And like, like it wasn't super crazy for her to have that. Well, I guess that kind of makes sense. I feel like I had prepaid phone cards in college because like there wasn't like long distance. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> or there was, but it was cost money or whatever. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, even on a cell phone. Even on a cell phone, right, you still right. it was local calls only. Mm. On February 11th, searches begin. So this is 36 hours after she went missing. 
These searches were extensive. They were. There were no footprints in the snow anywhere. So not on the roads, not going into the woods, nothing. They did aerial searches with a helicopter and thermal imaging cameras spinning out miles and miles in a radius around the crash site. They did ground searches, which were in the woods, very dense woods, like Mm -hmm. so dense that you can't even walk through them in some places because there's brush. Mm -hmm. is just like there's not a path. Cadaver dogs and tracking dogs were brought in. They had a tracking dog that used one of Mora's gloves and it tracked her scent 100 feet up the road in the direction that she was believed to have been traveling in. And then the scent stopped. The dog did this Hmm. twice. So it was thought that Mara had locked her car, gotten her stuff, went walking up the road in the direction she was headed, and then possibly had gotten into another car. Mm. And that's why her scent stopped abruptly in the middle of the road. Mm -hmm. Now, remember, there are two neighbors watching this crash site that night, and neither one of them reported Mora getting into another car or seeing her talk to anyone else. But, I mean, maybe they went to the bathroom. Like, it can happen in a matter of really seconds for somebody to stop and be like, hey, you need help. And her to be like, actually, that'd be great. Now, she didn't accept help from Butch, remember. Right. So... Mm -hmm. I don't know, maybe she changed her mind, they're thinking, or Butch is a grown man in a bus. So, like, maybe whoever stopped and she got into their car, she felt more comfortable with them or something. We don't know. Hmm. CCTV was looked at in all the surrounding towns. Mara was never seen anywhere. They searched the towns that they believed that she was possibly going that were at the base of the White Mountains. Burlington, Vermont, Bartlett, all those places, Stowe, Vermont, the places that she had called, she was never seen. Interestingly, when her dorm room was searched, Mora had packed up all her belongings into moving boxes, all of them. She took literally everything, like stuff was taken down off the walls. It legitimately looked like she was moving out. On top of the boxes, there was a printed email from Bill that alluded to possible infidelity and problems in their relationship. Mm, So it was uh the placement of it was weird. Why did she print it? Why did she have it sitting on top of these boxes? But I mean, Bill's in Oklahoma. Like, he doesn't know what happened to her. So in total, there have been four extremely extensive searches of the area surrounding the crash site, and those took place between 2004 and 2008, and no sign of Mora has ever been found, ever, in any of those searches. Like nothing, not her shoe, not clothing, not a backpack, her car keys, no remains, nothing. There were some sightings in lead. Well, and no tracks. No tracks in the snow. Which is really weird. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. There were some sightings mm-hmm. and leads that people had, but none of them actually panned out. Like one of the leads even took them to the possibility that Mora had gone to Canada and was living a new life, but it was never proven. And like the witness ended up kind of being confused. And anyway. A couple of leads worth mentioning. Leads and theories. 
There was one lead of a group of three young men who worked at the nearby ski resort. This theory is called the Loom Mountain Three. These young men were scheduled to be at work the night that Mora went missing, and they never showed up. Where they lived would have taken them right by the crash site in order to get to work. Hmm. So it is assumed that these boys were looked into by law enforcement because how else would we have heard of them? But their names have never been released and no information about investigation into them has ever been publicly stated. Interesting. Another interesting lead in late 2004. So months after Mora went missing, a man approached Fred Mora's dad and gave him a rusty knife. The man claimed that he found it in his brother's glove box and that it had blood on it. His brother was a known criminal and lived in an A-frame house one mile from where Moore's car was found. So this is called the A-frame theory. This man believed that his brother had something to do with Moore's disappearance. He said that his brother acted very strangely after Moore disappeared and that he had scrapped his car not long after Moore went mm. missing. A search was done of that A-frame house in 2006, and cadaver dogs hit on an upstairs closet. Pieces of the carpet were sent in for testing, but no results have ever been publicly stated by police. Huh. There's never been any evidence that has been tied to Mora. There's nothing that was ever found in the home that was linked to her, like none of her belongings, nothing like that. It's just a theory. Mm -hmm. Some people think that Butch, the bus driver, may have had something to do with her disappearance. He was never really looked into as a suspect or anything, and he died in 2009. So there's nothing we can do now with that. Okay. Well, but I mean, in terms of that, there was that one lady who saw their interaction. So you'd think if it was like a little like on the sketchy side, she may have been like, it looked like he was trying to get her in the bus or. Mm -hmm. And he called 911. Right. Yeah. So. That too. <laughs> but some people think that. Some people think she was suicidal. I don't think that's true. Mm -hmm. Sadly, 18 years later, we have no more answers than we did back in 2004. Mora's mom passed away from cancer on Mora's birthday in 2009, mm -hmm. never knowing wow. where her daughter was. Isn't that crazy? Yeah. So what happened to Maura Murray? Did we she, don't know. We don't know. <laughs> we don't know if she voluntarily walked away from her life and started a new one. We don't know if maybe she was injured in the car accident and she went into the woods and fell victim to the ele elements. Was she abducted and murdered? We know that she was planning a getaway of some sort. She clearly needed a break from her life, but based on the things that she took, it doesn't seem to me like she was planning to leave for good. I mean, for one thing, she packed all her boxes up. So like if she was leaving forever, she'd take a box or two because it was mm -hmm. already packed up, but she didn't. She wasn't going to get far with like a travel size toothpaste and 280 bucks. Like you can't mm -hmm. start a new life that way. 
she wouldn't have gotten the accident reports for her dad. She wouldn't have taken, mm-hmm. taken her school books. If she was planning on never coming back and seeing anyone ever again, why did she have those stuff? You know, why, why were those things with her? Mm-hmm. I think it's possible that she maybe got afraid of getting in trouble. Like maybe she was drinking and she got in this wreck and she was scared because she had that probation. And maybe she, did she like go and hide in the woods and wait, you know, for things to clear out. But I mean, and then what died? It got cold. You know, where where, where was her body then? They never found that's, any evidence of her anywhere. Right. That's what I was just going to say. Like if she did succumb to the elements uh, and that ex- those extensive searches, they would have come across something. You would think. I mean, mm-hmm. you would think. And one, one thing that I did hear somebody say, somebody I, I'm assuming who believed that theory that she had just walked into the woods and um, died. Like, if you're walking in the woods, how many dead animals do you come across? Like, probably none. Mm-hmm. But animals, mm-hmm. hundreds of animals die every day in the woods. But, like, where are all those bodies? You don't really ever see them, you know? I don't know. I don't spend a lot of time in the woods, so I can't really say that. Yeah. Corroborate that. I'd stay much. out of the damn woods. Right. I follow what happened in the woods advice. <laughs> <laughs> Nothing good happens in the woods. So, one odd thing for everyone is the, the rag in the tailpipe. Right. That's so weird. I don't remember hearing that before, but I'm sure I did. People spiral about this online and in forums like Web Sleuth for days. Like, was it a sign of something and she put it in there? Or people are wondering if she maybe stopped somewhere in town and someone stuffed it in there, like trying to get her car to stall and then followed her and abducted her. Mm. They snatched her. Some people think that. So this case really gets under people's skin. I understand it. It's super confusing. The investigation has been opened and reopened multiple times. There have been books written about it. Entire podcasts have been dedicated to her case. Documentaries have been done. It is extremely investigated and researched and analyzed. And never, ever has anything new ever been found. So crazy. Phenomenal. And that is the mysterious disappearance of Maura Murray. It seriously is mysterious. I mean, I heard this. I know True Crime Garage did it. Yes, they did. Because <laughs> I listened. That's where I heard it, I'm pretty sure, the first time. Do you remember what they said their theory was? I don't. But no, I don't. There are a lot of people that think she's alive somewhere. Yeah. I just feel like, well, I mean, I guess if you want to go missing, then this wouldn't happen. But I just feel like if that's the case, then and you hear all of this extensive stuff being done searching for you, that you would just come out and be like, all right, stop. I'm here. I don't want to be bothered. Peace. Right. <laughs> I'm not telling you my new name. I'll like, I don't know, upload a cryptic YouTube <laughs> saying I'm alive and just be done with it. There is even specu- speculation that, and this gets real twisty, that there are people who have found her alive. People like investigative journalists and stuff who have delved into her case, they found her and that she has said exactly that. I don't want to be bothered. 
leave me alone, and they are not telling. Wait. Th- that's a theory or there are investigative reporters that are saying no 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 we one know is, where she is. no 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 oh, okay no one has said that there are people who believe uh. that there are people who know where she is and are just keeping her secret hmm i don't know i think the family at this point believes that she is no longer alive yeah but where the hell is she where is mara marie and why why did the um, results of that guy's closet not get published? Yeah. We don't know. I mean, maybe there was nothing there. Right. But say that. Yeah. So unless unless it hit on some other case that they just can't talk about or whatever. They won't I say guess. anything hardly about her case and aren't releasing like hardly any information. There's so many unanswered questions that the police probably have the answers to that they're not saying because they're saying it's an open investigation and... So they don't want to give any information. Her dad even sued the Havrel Police Department to get the information and lost. Oh wow. They wouldn't give it to him. What are what are the chances that police know she's alive and doesn't want to be bothered and will keep that under their hat? I don't know. I don't think that's the case. Right. Because I don't they even, are I'm still I mean they for four years searched for her like extensively so many resources even now like they every now and then will go back and open up a new investigation again like they're still trying to find her right okay i don't think they would exhaust resources like that if they knew she was alive no 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 no. yeah i um i guess i didn't realize they were still like would open and like go and use resources. I was just thinking like if they stopped after those four years, cause they were like, nothing came of it. And then they did find out like clearly if they didn't know during those four years, but then they found out, but now they're just kind of, no, I mean, even just as recent as like, I want to say it was like 2020, they opened up her, um, like all of the description of her and the information that they know about her going missing internationally in like to share with other countries in case she's living somewhere abroad interesting, or was trafficked or something like that. Right. Huh? Yeah. This is always a fascinating one. I mean, I have not, I haven't like do- dove dived. What's the word? Dove. Dove down the rabbit hole. <laughs> anyway, I, I never took the leap. <laughs> on that one um i listened it's fascinating it's confusing but i've kind of like left it at that and mm-hmm. it's quite gosh, unconventional but- for us too because yeah we don't know if she was murdered or not so mm-hmm. if she just went missing and just chose voluntarily to start a new life there's been no crime here right yeah yeah i was just gonna say we don't even know that there was a crime right wow well I mean, thanks for taking that on. Yeah, no problem. Thank you, Stephanie, for it's definitely a story that needs to be told. It's fascinating for any true crime junkie out there. Like I said, it is wildly speculated. If you want to go down the rabbit hole, help yourself. I'll see you in a couple years. (laughs) Yeah. Well, I was going to say we may actually have some listeners that have their like their true feelings on this one. Yeah. Like, this is what I think, and because people, I think, do dive down this one. I asked a lot. Stephanie her thoughts on it, and she said that she wonders if Butch, the bus driver, was not involved somehow. 
Oh, really? Mm-hmm. Wow. Okay. Yeah. All right, Steph. Okay. I mean, she doesn't think well. that he was necessarily. She just is curious about that possibility and right, one right, that we'll right. never know about. He's no longer yeah. living. So, well, I mean, we might, but. Yeah. Yeah. Gosh. Well, well, I guess let us know. Like, what are, what are your thoughts? What, what do you think happened to Mora? What is your true? And also I will say, if you want to go and watch the documentaries about her, her dad, Fred, who was actually blamed by this book author, and some awful allegations were made that I don't feel like were true, but he has the greatest accent ever. Hmm. And he is like, cause you know, he's from like up North in new England. And so he's like, we will, we will buy in a car. <laughs> she needed a car, car in the garage. She needed a car. <laughs> so I, I drove up to mass to get her a car. <laughs> It's really cute. I loved it. I was very here for it. I, I'm surprised I actually haven't watched anything on this. So where did you see that one? Uh, there's a whole bunch of them, and he's on all of them. Well, which one did you watch? I watched all. You recommend of them. the one you watched. I oh. watched like four. <laughs> you recommend watching one over others? Um, you know, I I hate to say this to y'all, but you got to watch them all because they all come at you with different angles. Some of them come at you with the angle that. Like they don't talk about the problems between her and Bill. Some of them believe she's alive. Some of them believe she was killed. And so in order to get the full picture, you have to watch all of them. Mm-hmm. I think. Okay. All right. And there the Fair rabbit enough. hole begins. <laughs> Fair enough. Well, I guess you'll have them linked if you watch them all. So, well, or not linked, but at I least will. posted. So yes. Anyway. Okay. Awesome. Well, thank you for diving into that. Thank you for sharing all of that. Um, like I knew it, but it was definitely nice to have a refresher because I it's been a while since I've heard the details of that case. Yeah. I do remember like I was remembering, oh yeah, the bus driver. Oh yeah, the guys that they thought would be going in that direction. <laughs> I was remembering right. as you were saying it. So um anyways, and again, let us know what you guys think and find us on social and let us know. And just always remember the world is scary. People suck. Hide in your closets.